0: Good morning Chapel Hill. Before we get into the message this morning there's something that I just want to share with you um, related to uh, the couple of weeks we had with George Kenworthy recently and some talk about Haiti Teen Challenge. This is an update that just came out from them and um, this past week we spent some time praying for the situation in Haiti as a a board and um, the, whole, the whole group, all the students in Haiti were praying and everything. But this is a, an update that just came out from them, and um, this ought to, ought to drive us to our knees. Um, this is a little uh, bit of a report about what's going on in Haiti right now. It says this, in her September 29, 2022 report to the House Committee, former U.S. Ambassador Pamela White stated, there is no legitimate government, no judiciary, no parliament, and a weak police force incapable of stopping the gangs that now rule over 60% of the capital. There is no chance of planning elections under the current security crisis. Gangs are hijacking boats, planes, and trucks that are attempting to deliver critical food and medical items to the most vulnerable. Just this week, two UN food warehouses were broken into and then burned. They share our Haitian staff has shared some of their experiences in the current climate, specifically concerning the shortage of fuel. Lack of fuel means companies that provide necessities are closing, thus making bathing water or bottled water scarce. Sanitation trucks are inoperable, utilities are down, and public transportation is unavailable. Schools are closed, and hospitals are in distress. Patients in need of care are being sent home. They're asking for your prayers for protection, provision, and a new future for Haiti. And so I'd like us just to respond to that for a few minutes now. Let's pray for Haiti and for all that's going on there. Father, there are things like this happening throughout your world that are so hard for us to relate to. They seem so distant. So disconnected from us. But Lord, you have called this church to support an organization like Haiti Teen Challenge that is working hard to bring your redemptive message into that country and its crisis. And so, Lord, we just want to stand in the gap on behalf of that country right now and just lift them up to you and ask, Lord, that you would intervene in a big way. That you would bring your power, that you would bring your gospel truth, your hope, your strength, your wisdom, your peace, your presence into the country of Haiti. You are the only one that can turn that country around. We know that you're capable. We know that some strongholds there have to come down, and we pray in Jesus' name that that would happen. And we just ask, Lord, that you would reach out and let your hand come to Haiti and bring your presence with it. God, I pray for Haiti Teen Challenge and its presence there for all of the faculty and students that are, that are working hard there to bring hope into that situation. I just ask that you would protect them. I ask that you would provide for them. And Father, I ask that you would just remind us to do this, to stand in the gap more often for places like Haiti, for people like the Haitian people who suffer so much and that we would ask on a regular basis for your love to be extended there, and for your power to take over, for redemption to come to places like this. And so, Lord, this morning, we lift up the country of Haiti to you and ask that you would rescue it and bring your mercy and your grace and your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, last week I introduced a new series of messages called Untangled. Untangled. It was my goal to begin to share with you what God showed me, what he said to me, and what he did in me during my sabbatical, and we'll move forward together in a series that will have us looking at our relationship with God and how we can invite him to restore and increase the closeness between us and him. Before taking the sabbatical, um, I had reached a point where I truly believed that I had nothing left to offer anyone. The world was taking its toll on me and on my family and the church and our community and much more and I was so weary and so sad that I couldn't see anything of value that I could offer to bring hope into that mess. I could clearly see that I was not equipped to handle what was going on and I got fixated on my lack of ability to lead through it. there are some really valuable lessons that can be learned at points like that and I want to share with you this morning one of those valuable lessons well it took me some time to get there I was finally brought back to the realization that the first and best thing that I have to offer you is my relationship with God and I'm not talking about my understanding of things about God. I'm not talking about information. I'm not talking about what I can teach you about having a relationship with God. I'm talking about my closeness with the Father. The influence that He has on me is the source of the influence that I have on you. And let me say that again because I think it's really important. The influence that God has on me is the source of the influence that I have on you. You don't need or want my wisdom, my strength, my charisma, my love, my skills and abilities. You need and want God's. If I'm not close enough to God to allow him to influence you through me, I really feel like I have nothing significant To offer you. I only have me. And that's not me having a negative view of myself. This isn't low self-esteem. I know and have been reminded lately just how much God loves and values me. This is about comparing what I have to offer with what God has to offer. And seeing the obvious superiority of what God has to offer. And this church is definitely not just about me. I believe this is absolutely true about every single one of us. Parents, the first and best thing we have to offer our children is our closeness to God. Our kids need him to flow through us. They need more than just us. Grandparents, the first and best thing we have to offer our families as a legacy is our closeness to God. Friends, the first and best thing that we have to offer our friends is our walk with the Lord. As someone who lives in your community, the first and best thing that you have to offer your neighbors is your closeness with God. Bosses, guess what we have to offer our employees? Employees, I think you know what I'm going to suggest that we have to offer our bosses and our co-workers. Students, the first and best thing that you have to offer your school is your relationship with God. Brothers and sisters of Chapel Hill Church, the first and best thing that we have to offer each other is our closeness to God. God is ready and waiting to influence the world through us. He has far more to offer the people in our lives than we do. He just wants vessels to offer it through, and you and I are those vessels. Now, culturally, I've been taught that my life is my path. I decide what it looks like and where it goes. I'm to do the best that I can with my path, and the world will decide whether it wants me or not. We live in that kind of insecurity, wondering whether or not we're doing a a good enough job with our lives to make us valuable to the people around us. In God's kingdom, things are a little different. Last week, I brought in a verse from Jeremiah chapter 6. This is what God said to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. He said, stand by the roads and look. And ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. And walk in it and find rest for your souls. This is why I call this message the ancient path. God used my sabbatical time to bring me back to the ancient path. And I'll explain more of what that path looks like as I go. But there's some foundational things that we need to acknowledge before we talk about what this path looks like. We're taught that life's path is our path. We own it. We control it. We determine where it leads. We decide who walks with us. But the ancient path that God has in mind for us is not set, controlled, or determined by us. And I'm not talking merely here about things like the career that God provided for us being our path. I'm not talking about our family even I'm not talking about the direction of the path or many of the things that we believe are up to us on that path. I'm starting with a truth that we need to revisit and lean into. This ancient path is not a path that we walk alone or even desire to walk alone. This is a shared path from the get-go. The ancient path is a path shared with God. The ancient path is also not a path to God. That's a different conversation. This path is the path we walk with God. So there are a few things about our thinking that may need to change or at least be redirected a bit here. When we think about our relationship with God, we often refer back to that amazing day when we accepted Jesus. We think about receiving the truth about God and about our need for salvation and what Jesus could do about it. That's an incredibly significant part of our stories. In fact, there is no more significant event in my life than the moment that I accepted Christ. I encountered Jesus and my life was changed forever. I was set free. The ransom was paid for me. I became a new man. But I do have to be careful with my mindset regarding that wonderful day. Now, last Sunday, I understand that some of you ran in the Twin Cities Marathon. And as I've learned, you weren't running the marathon just to make people like me feel bad about ourselves. You actually enjoyed it. Now, I question that fact based on all I heard about people passing out, collapsing, and puking in the race. But I do believe that you actually enjoyed it. That feeling that you had when you crossed the finish line must have been absolutely amazing. All the time, energy, and discipline that you put into it paid off, paid off as you felt yourself float or stagger across the finish line. Here's what I do. Don't want to see in my own life regarding the day that I surrendered to God and put my life in His hands. I don't ever want to see that day as a finish line in my life. I don't want to let myself think that I arrived that day. The journey was over. I got saved. I was set free. I finished the race and won so I can kick back and celebrate that win for the rest of my life. Was it a victory? Absolutely. I was saved that day. I was set free that day. And I will never forget that. And I will do my best to never take that for granted. But that day I arrived at the starting line. My encounter with Jesus was the start of an eternity long encounter with Jesus. I began on that day to follow Jesus I embarked on a long journey with God. What I thought was my path became our path. God didn't sit me down in the shade and tell me to take it easy now, the race is over. Instead, He called me to the ancient path when we we're walking together for all of eternity. We were just getting started that day. The ancient path with God is the path we've been called and invited to travel. We were never meant to walk life's path alone, and I'm not talking about the sadness and loneliness that we may encounter in life. We were never meant to walk even a highly successful, culturally impressive path on our own. In spite of being thrown out of the Garden of Eden long, long ago, the human race was still meant to walk with God. And he invites us to walk in communion with him every moment of every day. That's the truth that I'm talking about. Our encounter with Jesus when we surrendered to him is the starting point of our path. And that path is characterized by a lifelong, passion-filled pursuit of God. The Bible is full of examples of this, and I want to highlight the lives and mindsets of a few very well-known biblical personalities that we can draw inspiration from. And they go way back, back to the ancient path. These are our spiritual heroes in many ways, in other ways. They're sometimes the ones that make us scratch our heads because they too were human and they made some mistakes. But even that shows us something very valuable about our path. This is how I'm to view my path, the path that I was created for. And this has nothing to do with how impressively I walk. This has everything to do with who I'm walking with. Let's start with Moses. That's pretty ancient. Of course, we know that Moses blew it. Moses was a murderer, so we really shouldn't be following his path, right? But there's so much more to Moses than his flaws. There's much more to us than our flaws. There's God and his desire to walk closely with us. What then is our desire? Well, in Exodus 33, you'll find a record of an encounter between Moses and God that shows us something that we absolutely have to see. In that chapter, somewhere between verses 12 and 23, Moses is asking God to show him his ways. Moses wants to know God's ways. And Moses gives us the reason why he wants to know God's ways. This is what Moses says to God in Exodus 33, verse 13. says, Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. So what was Moses ultimately looking for? He wanted to know God. Moses wanted to be close to God and he was asking God for help getting there. God, show me the way you think. Show me what's important to you. Show me how you want me to live. Show me the path so that I can know you. Moses seems to have known that God's favor would be found in that close, intimate relationship with him. Moses wanted to know God. God's response? My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Try to be Moses for a minute. Moses was well aware of his own shortcomings. He also knew what the law required of him, and he was following that law, but ultimately what it came down to between Moses and God was Moses' desire to be close to God and God's desire to be close to Moses. Moses' desire then took him in a bold new direction and he asked God to show him his glory. Well, God was very clear that no human could see his glory and survive it, but look at what God did out of his own desire to be close to Moses, God made a way. And Moses' path led to God shoving Moses into a crack in a big rock, covering his eyes, and then letting Moses get just a tiny glimpse of God's back as he passed by. Now, honestly, I'll take that path. I'll gladly accept just a glimpse of God's back as he passes by. But that kind of relationship comes from our desire to be with God and God's desire to be with us. That's the ancient path. It's closeness with God. And he has done many things since Moses' time to make it possible for us to be closer and closer to him. The ancient path is knowing God. Of course we have to talk about david and of course we know that david is another example of how messed up we are as humans living in a fallen world add adultery to murder this time david was a mess but can we just accept the fact that god is making it clear that closeness with him does not depend on how perfect our record is In the process of redeeming us, God invites us to commune with him in very deep and meaningful ways. In Psalm 16, David makes this incredible statement that we have to see. And if we, if we take his words as a statement made on behalf of God's people, we can insert ourselves into these words. This is Psalm 1611, where David writes, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What was David looking for on behalf of God's people? He was looking for God's path. And what was it that David believed they would find on that path? They would find God's presence. And there in his presence, they would enter into eternal pleasures. That was the path of life that they needed to find. A path, a journey with God into all that he had for them. But like any point in history, the ancient path requires God's people to follow it. It is not a destination that we've arrived at. It's a journey that begins with an encounter with Jesus and leads us on through a lifetime and eternity of closeness with him and his father. So let's jump ahead a couple thousand years. God, motivated, motivated by his love for us, takes a dramatic step closer to us and makes that closeness with him even more attainable than it had ever been. He sends Jesus, God comes to dwell among us and make himself more accessible than he's ever been. He became flesh. Now, closeness with God was something that could be touched. People could see, hear, and touch God. And Jesus invited them to do just that. He invited them to follow. And we're given the examples of some people who took that invitation to heart And would do anything to have that closeness with Jesus. In Luke 8, we see that the 12 disciples, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and many others, took a huge step towards closeness with Jesus. Having encountered him and been healed, called, invited by him into the path, they chose to embark on the journey with him, with Jesus, Meeting Jesus was only the beginning. They wanted to know him, to be close to him, and they would do whatever it took. And of course, there's Paul. Rough history like Moses and David? Yep. Encountered Jesus like the disciples and the women who followed him? Yep. And look at how his journey unfolded. Paul, having been invited and redeemed by Jesus, set out on the ancient path where all he wanted was Jesus. He wrote about this mindset in more than one of his letters. These words from Philippians 3, eight give us a clear look at the path. From Paul to the church, he writes, Indeed, I count Everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Next week, we're going to expand on Paul's words a little and consider what we lose on the ancient path. It's nothing, nothing compared to what we gain. We gain a person, we gain God, we gain Jesus, we gain the spirit. They become the path. Knowing about God is no more a part of the path than knowing about my wife is part of our marriage. We were created to know God and experience him every moment. We were created to pursue him. He pursues us. Us, in, the relation, in this relationship, the pursuit of each other is the path. So think about your own path right now. Family, career, home, stuff, recreational activities, finances, all part of your path. But have they become The path. Rather than just being things you encounter along the path. Have these things become your pursuit. Is it your heart's desire to know these things. And invite them to shape who you are. Do you believe that your pursuit of these things. Is the first and best thing that you have to offer the world around you. Let me put this in my own context and consider my wake-up call this past year. I got caught thinking that my abilities, my gifts, my skills related to my career were the first and best things that I had to offer this church. I lost sight of my one true pursuit and the fact that my pursuit of God is what I have to offer you. And I don't believe for a minute that this principle applies only to people who work professionally in ministry. We are all in ministry in God's family, and this is true for all of us. Our path is a relational journey with God. Our goal on this path is to know God and to be known by him. And the closer that relationship becomes, the more we have to offer the people in our lives. And the more meaning and purpose and joy, strength, wisdom, peace, and contentment that we're going to find for ourselves. Now think again about the day when you gave your life to God. At any point, no matter how long ago that was, We can go back to that point and choose the ancient path of knowing God, walking with Jesus. We have to learn to see that moment as the starting line. This was the point at which we began to know God. And it is never too late to return to that place and begin the journey anew. Not with the goal of occasionally adding God as part of the scenery on the path. But to make our pursuit of God our first and best love and passion. And if you have never made that decision to give your life over to God and begin this journey. There is no time like the present. This moment would be a great place to start that journey. God invites us to travel the ancient path, walking in close communion with him every moment of every day. I want to invite you now just to close your eyes for a moment. We're going to take a time of reflection here. I want to put something before you. This is a time when you're going to just Have a little conversation with God. First of all, if you have never made that decision to turn your life over to God, to choose the ancient path, and you're ready to just say yes and accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers you and step into the new life that he offers where you are forgiven, you are set free, You become his child, and you begin this journey along the ancient path with God, a journey that will last forever. And you want to be close to him, and you want him to be close to you. If this is something you haven't done, you haven't taken that step yet, but you want to do it right now, in the quietness of your heart and mind, I just invite you to speak to God. Just say, God, I want you. I want to know you. God, I put my life before you, my past, my record, and I ask for your forgiveness for all that I've done to separate me from you. God, I want your forgiveness. I want your path. I want to know you and I want you to know me. God, come in and take over. I place myself at the starting line. I want to know you. If that's your prayer this morning, I want to just be able to lift you up. So if that's your decision this morning, if you decided I want to walk this path and you're ready to take that step. Start out at the starting line. Follow God. You want to know God. Will you do me a favor? Just Nobody's looking at you. No one's going to call you out or anything. Will you just put your hand up right now? Thank you. For those of you who have been walking with the Lord, is this a time for you to come to him and just say, God, I want to back up. I want to back up to that day. And I want to make it the starting line, not the finish line. Or maybe you just need to tell him, God, I, I know that I've wandered here a bit. I know my path has gotten confusing. I know that, that knowing you has, has lost its place as my first and best passion and pursuit. him you want a fresh start today. Tell him you want to know him. You want to share that path with him. You want him to untangle the mess and get you back on the ancient path. I invite you to just tell him that today know that his desire is to be with you, for you to be with him, and for that closeness to grow deeper and deeper. Father, I want to pray this morning with those that are here in the room and those who are online watching, and just ask that this is accomplished in this moment, we find the ancient path and establish or reestablish ourselves on that path, knowing that this is the path you've chosen for us for all of eternity, a path where we know you and you know us, where we get closer and closer to you and you get closer and closer to us, and we understand and accept the fact that in your presence, eternal pleasures, the pleasure of knowing you, the pleasure of having you fill us through your spirit to overflowing to where we have something to offer the world around us that, that is comparable to nothing else. We have you flowing through us. And God, we all have so many people in our lives that need to experience you through us. happens when we are walking in closeness with you. I pray for those in our lives that really need to experience that. That they would be able to see something in us that goes beyond our goodness, our abilities. people would truly experience your spirit just pouring out of us because we have made it our goal, our pursuit to be close to you to follow Jesus with everything that we've got God will you do this work in us keep showing us, keep opening our eyes, our minds our hearts to embrace what you have for us Forgive us for the ways that we have wandered, the ways that we have fallen away from keeping you as our, our number one pursuit. Reestablish establish us on the ancient path. Father, for those who made a decision this morning that it's time, it's time to choose this path. It's time to look at their life as being at a starting line and ready to just explode into what you have in your relationship with them. God, I pray that you would just draw so close to them that they, they can't mistake it for anything else. They'll be overwhelmed with your presence, with your love, your peace, your joy, your strength. I pray that you would meet them right where they're at. And this path that they're on now would lead to closer and closer intimacy with you. Where they will truly know you and be known by you. And Lord, we need this as a church, and you know that, just to take this time to just check our bearings and make sure that we are on the ancient path, that we as a church are pursuing you, knowing full well that you are, your relationship with us as a church is the first and best thing that we have to offer this world. So I ask, Father, for you to come. Make yourself known. Just be close to us as we draw close to you. And lead us in the way everlasting. Lead us in your path, the path that you have chosen for us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, who opened this path up for us. Amen.